0: David, this is the first time we've had a chance to talk since the election um, earlier this month. So I'm curious as to what you'd like to sort of focus on today.
1: Well, there's so much we could talk about. It has been a truly exciting time. Uh, there's a great deal happening. I was thinking that we would just, you know, we've got uh, we've got a transition coming up. You know, the Biden administration, incoming Biden administration, is getting ready. Uh, to really go after COVID, you know, front and center. And uh, we are also right at a critical time for one of the trials uh, with AstraZeneca and their vaccine. So I was kind of thinking we might start there. Of course, we should definitely touch base on, on uh, Supreme Court and what's going on over there with the ACA. And then, then we've got some wrap ups and some things that are kind of more traditional you might expect. How does that sound to you?
0: It sounds good. Um, You know, maybe what we should do is let me let me flip the order on you a little bit. So um, let's start with, you know, the end of year piece. So we're in an interesting situation where Democrats have lost seats in the House. And so the sort of the way the House is going to approach things is going to be slightly different after January, after the end of the calendar year. It's uncertain what's going to happen in the Senate. Um, regardless, there will be less of a Republican majority, and it's possible that it will be a 50-50 split with the vice president, Kamala Harris, breaking any of the ties. Um, and then we will have a new president. And so it's, it's very much a split government in the likelihood of how split or you know what the margins are. So that's what we're looking at after the first of the year. When the new Congress comes in, and then after the inaugural in January, so between now and then, we have members returning, some of whom were not reelected, uh, many of whom were. They know what the future brings in terms of the government. What do they have to get done? And then, what do you likely? To, what do you expect as to some of the, the potential flashpoints?
1: Well, as you and I have discussed many times, they they're going to have to fund the government. Through uh, some portion of 2021 because it's, what they've done expires in December. Um, you and I have talked about it many times that uh, under more traditional times of legislation, um, they would have done separate appropriations bills and we would be possibly finalizing those. But even though the house did them, the Senate didn't. And, uh, but the Senate is beginning to preview, preview, uh, packages. So they've just, for example, previewed one. For labor HHS. Um, so they're going to have to deal with the government funding. And I think, uh, for our, our listeners, labor HHS is pretty much squared away from both what the house had done and what the Senate looks like it's going to do. Um, so they're going to have to do that. They're going to have to do some type of COVID package. They, they realize that. Um, and there was just too much political fighting before. The election to get it done so that's going to have to happen um there's some other small things but mo- mostly that's going to be the real focus Is like you know making sure the government is funded to run and then making sure that um th- that there is some more stimulus money coming out for the economy uh which all indications are that that stimulus money is greatly
0: needed wouldn't you say yeah, I guess that the third potential thing they may do, or at least I think they may do, you may disagree, is is something related to kind of Medicare adjustments for specialties that felt they were too cut too much as they were trying to take this, this fixed amount of money reallocated, obviously nephrology. Um, was was a specialty that did well in that reallocation. But my understanding is some of the specialties that didn't do as well have a lot of support, at least in the House, um, to revisit that. And so that would then open up the possibility of some sort of Medicare legislation. So would you consider that a third possibility here?
1: I think that would just get rolled into one of those others that was moving. Uh, I think that you could probably see it that way. I, I was going to get into some of that, but I, I didn't want to get in the weeds too fast there. But yeah, I definitely could see that being uh, on the list of things that was there.
0: It's interesting because I hadn't thought of it. So, so from your perspective, so in the way I'm thinking about this is sort of three separate activities. So there's a continuing resolution to keep the government funded for some period of time. And we can argue what that looks like. The new fiscal year started. Um, October 1st, the, the, the current continuing resolution ends in December. They've got to extend it at least through um, the new Congress and the new presidency, and then it becomes how long. The second piece, as you mentioned, is some sort of stimulus funding related to COVID 19. There'll probably be some other, you know, what I'll call sweeteners in there in terms of very specific things to help um, communities and to help individual businesses or, or sectors of the business, like the travel industry. And then the third piece is this. What I'll call a, a Medicare um, um, bill—I don't quite know how to describe it—is your thought that these three could be rolled into one sort of omnibus bill, and and or do you think it'll be three or some combination of the two? I think this is probably too weedsy, but I think it's really interesting because it it gives people a sense as to where you might be able to influence specific issues. Well, I
1: think, you know, I, I, I think actually it's probably going to be some type of a hybrid of two, rolled into two. And there's some strange things that are at flux. The, the, the specialty payment one, uh, which, you know, ASN has been watching and participating in. But for the most part, you know, nephrology had done fairly well in the physician fee schedule, evaluation and management codes. Um, and, so there's a need to kind of balance out where budget neutrality hits some of the others so that doesn't really have a home but it it could have a home if if they wanted to put it and say that this is really important because covid-19 has really hit healthcare so hard and i think that's probably where the thinking will probably go and that's why i would kind of push it more towards a covid package than a standalone um so I, I kind of have a suspicion that there's, I mean, but there's some other strange injured things. So for example, um, you know, we've talked for years about the immunosuppressant package and, and extending that. Now, and the interesting thing is right now uh, up on Capitol Hill, staff are holding on to that because it got, it got, you know, CB, the Congressional Budget Office scored it and it scored it with about a $400 million savings. So. It's strangely enough, not something that you would think of as being part of this. But now we've got staff on Capitol Hill who are holding on to that saying, we should put the immunosuppressive package into something to get us some savings for what we're spending. Um Which is, you know, so it's not necessarily related to COVID, but you could easily see it going into COVID as, as something to help with the budgetary offsets of what they're spending. Uh So that's kind of, a, there's some interesting things like that. But I do think something will be done to address the Medicare E&M coding situation for the specialties. I definitely think something will happen there. Um, and then, like I said, there things are getting teed up for different reasons and different and for different reasons. And, And so we're kind of surprised that the immuno package, which we wanted to pass and we've been working for so long has now become this like attractive thing to attach to something this December because
0: it could save money. So, so shifting gears, um, the Affordable Care Act. Uh, what's happening with the Supreme Court as they're looking at the, the different cases to overturn um, the, legis- the, the, the law?
1: Okay, I'm excited because I'm gonna get a chance to say SCOTUS. So, uh, the Supreme Court of the United States um, is one of my favorite things to just watch. I just I, I love watching the, the Supreme Court. Um, sometimes referred to as the Supremes, um, but anyway. Um, so it had been scheduled for quite some time. It had not been a factor of the election uh, that it in, on November 10th, they would hear arguments, that the court would hear arguments on a particular case um, and whether or not, you know, wh- what its standing was. And that case was California versus Texas. Um, and the Texas part of it was the original 19-odd uh, uh, GOP Republican Attorneys General who claimed that the ACA was was now unconstitutional because the um, the funding meca- the excuse me the taxing requirement um, it was zeroed out uh, the individual mandate had been zeroed out, and so therefore, when the Supreme Court took this up last time, they had hung the constitutionality of the ACA on its on Congress's taxing authority, and by zeroing it out. Um, they were arguing that that meant that it was no longer constitutional. So, and as you know, um, a federal judge in Texas agreed with them. And then it got appealed and it got appealed up to the Fifth Circuit in New Orleans. And a, a, a panel of three went two to one that actually that was correct. But they sent it back down to the lower court to determine the argument of severability, which we've discussed before and severability becomes that moment when a piece of a law is struck out and the question for the court becomes can that particular issue be exercised uh excised um you know very specifically and leave the rest of the statute standing um and so um they that uh circuit court sent it back and asked the court to to reassess that and then the California part comes from a group of democratic uh, attorneys general who come in and and challenge uh, part of that as well, and in that case is what is now uh, before the Supreme Court and has already
0: heard arguments so it's it's an interesting transition to our last issue um, let let's Let's work with the assumption that Biden and Harris are going to win the white House that the Democrats are going to hold the House of Representatives, but with a smaller majority, and that the two Senate races in Georgia will split. One will go for the Democrats, one will go for the Republicans. And so the Republicans will have um, a very um, um, sort of – they will have the majority in the Senate, but it will be a very thin margin. So if we, we go with that as an assumption, and I recognize that that it could go a lot of different ways, but that seems like a logical way to approach this. I would argue that part of what's happening here is that the Supreme Court is saying to the government in 2021, you have an opportunity here to reach some sort of consensus on turning the Affordable Care Act into something that both sides are comfortable with. Is that even a possibility?
1: Well, it's a possibility for them to say it. And and they have increasingly, over the last 50 years, increasingly been saying back to Congress, uh, you need to do a lot better job at solving your problems. Um, and I, I, as far as the, the analysis that you gave, I think it's probably spot on. I think that's probably the way it's going to work. We're going to end up with a smaller majority in the house. We're going to end up with a 51 49 split in the Senate. And we're going to have, uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris in the white house and the vice and in the executive office building. So that's, I think probably it. And there are a lot of things for them to fix. Um, and yeah, I could definitely see, um, the court basically saying, you know, we don't see any time in the foreseeable future, not that it's our job to do that, but we don't see that you guys are going to be all of a sudden made whole anytime soon. In other words, a large majority from one party all the way across the board to be able to do whatever it wants. Um, and so in that situation, it's like, OK, you need
0: to come up with something. You need to compromise and you need to figure this out. So before we close, I just want to put you on the spot. Three predictions for what Congress and the, pres- the new administration will do in the first half of twenty twenty one, given what you just described in terms of the philosophy. You know what the likely sort of you know both all the challenges and the sort of perhaps this opportunity for some level of collaboration or cooperation.
1: I don't think that I don't think in that early window they'll come to solutions on this particular problem. I think they'll start to deal with some of the problems around Medicaid expansion as fast as they can and try to de- see if they can nail that down and get that kind of tucked away before they deal with the overall just kind of broad range of, of the way in which they do the, you know, the marketplace for insurance under ACA. I think that there will probably be a big push for some type of public health initiative. Um, It's going to be, it's going to be basically kind of, they're going to be forced to, Um they're going to be forced to deal with, they've never really kind of had to legislate or create a, a nationwide, you know, whole testing and, excuse me, a nationwide vaccination program of this intensity and, and of this nature. And so I think that there's going to be a public health initiative that really tries to start resolving some of the, the kind of differences between. States And this could be a very contentious issue. Um, but the Biden administration coming in will only be able to go so far with it because they're just not going to have enough votes in either chamber to kind of deal with it. So um, they're going to try to do a public health initiative that really does um, start to address how this is going to happen and how we're going to manage this going forward with the idea that we're not going to have a whole bunch of you know vaccine shots in April and then everyone's done. Um, so I think that that's probably kind of one of the really big areas you're going to see. Um, I'm not quite sure where they're going to go with, uh, uh, you know, where it's all going to end up going in terms of, of foreign policy, because I think there's a real potential for them coming together a little bit more on foreign policy than they have in the past. Um, and China is not going to be, I mean, just because Trump is not there to be, Irritated with China and and having trade wars with them, the issues between China and the United States are not going away. They're they're escalating, um, and they are geopolitical, um, and they are trade, uh, and there's just there's a whole lot there that I think is left to be resolved.
0: Yeah, the only thing I'd add, and, and I think in hindsight this has been a mistake that several recent administrations have made, is there's a real need for a huge federal investment in the country's infrastructure, and that's both internal and external. So by internal, I mean roads, uh, bridges. Um, There's an opportunity both to benefit um, states, um, but also to really use this as a way to, um, you know, provide jobs in a lot of communities. And, and, you know, this is this is across the country. And I think this is something that in the past, um, there's been a lot of bipartisan interest in and it's been surprising to me that this hasn't been, you know, one of those first 90 day kind of things. And I, I would like to think that that's something that could happen. The other thing that I would add to your list is the external piece of infrastructure, which is something around climate change. And again, I don't know what that looks like. Um, I think it's probably more similar to the Obama administration's approach than the Trump administration's approach, recognizing, you know, all the different flashpoints there. Um, but if I, you know, were advising them, I would say focus on getting momentum internally, um, so that you can sort of focus that externally. Um, and then finally, just to, to end where you wanted to start, which is, you know, there, there is a lot of exciting news on the vaccine trials for COVID-19. Um, the incoming administration has announced a task force that will be thinking about um, a federal approach to responding to the pandemic as opposed to a state-based approach. What else is likely to happen in the short term around COVID-19?
1: In terms of COVID, uh, uh, you know, in, in terms of that, I mean, there's a little bit of of just really sound policy that's been advocated for, for quite some time in making sure things are coordinated enough, making sure things are robust enough in terms of, of what's available out there. But, um, I think exactly what that looks like in the first 90 days is a little bit hard to tell because between now and the time that the new administration takes forth, there's unfortunately probably going to be a lot of hurt happening. Um, and, you know, even just within the last couple days after, um, the, you know, after Biden had announced his COVID 19 task force members, one of the leaders that will be of that, um, had come out and said basically, you know, don't be surprised if we get very soon to the point that we're going to be at, um, 200,000 new cases a day. And so that and the flu season could just basically up in how they want to approach this very quickly.
0: Well, thanks, David. It's been great catching up. And and the one thing we know for sure is this is 2020, and we need to expect the unexpected. And the next couple of months um, are going to be fascinating.
1: I, I couldn't agree with you more, Todd. Absolutely. Enjoy the conversation.